if you want to live not only a blessed life, but a fulfilled life, then we should pursue righteousness above all those temporal things that the Bible clearly says that rust and moth destroy anyways. Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church Podcast. It is our desire at The Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, The Anchor Podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Father, we thank you today just for the Holy Spirit being active and moving, God, not only in our, uh, you know, in our day and our time, but even now in this present moment. Holy Spirit, we just give you access to our hearts. We make room for you today to come and speak. We ask that you would shake us to wake us today, wake us up, and we just pray that you would speak to us today uh, by the anointing. And Lord, we pray that our ears and our hearts would be ready to receive it. God, we just declare today in the name of Jesus that we don't want to be hearers of the word. We want to be doers of it as well. And so, Lord, would you help us today just to activate our faith and uh, believe your word today and put it in action. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, as, as most of you guys know, for the, about, uh, the past few weeks, we've been talking about righteousness around here. And uh, to be uh, you know, more uh, specific in that, Two weeks ago, uh, I preached a message called The Gift of Righteousness. And basically in that, we talked about how when you and I put our faith in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, that uh, God came and he exchanged with us his righteousness for our unrighteousness. How many of you guys know that's really good news? And in the process of that exchange, guess what? He made us righteous or put us in right standing before him. In other words, he declared us righteous. I want to add one verse there just to kind of jog the memory, but... It's Isaiah 61. It's one we actually haven't read, but it just uh, grabs a hold of the picture, I believe, of what uh, God wants to say. So Isaiah 61, verse 10. It says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garment of salvation, and that he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Great news, right? Then uh, last week, we talked about this. We talked about the blessings or the blessing of righteousness. And that's where we talked about how, uh, you know, when we put our faith in the finished work of Jesus, that he not only placed us in right standing with him, but he also positioned us uh, to live under his blessings in our life. How many of you guys like God's blessing? Amen. Amen. Four of us. So... um, Listen, I like, I like how Romans uh, chapter 4 puts this. It says it this way. It says, David also speaks of what? The blessing on the man or the woman to whom God credits righteousness. That, God, that David spoke about the blessing. In other words, that he could literally see the blessing of God on the people that God had declared righteous. Now, kind of on that note. The Bible obviously uh, gives us a long list of the many ways God blesses us, but we talked about six last week, and the only reason I'm repeating this is because repetition's the best teacher. So we, we said this, that God blesses the righteous by, number one, by watching over them. Anybody thankful for that today? We said that God blesses the righteous by putting his favor upon their lives. That he comes and he blesses them. How? Because he provides for them. He comes and he blesses them. How? Because he directs our steps. And not only does he direct our steps, but he actually says that he hears our prayers. And if you remember last week, not only does he hear our prayers, but he also answers them. Amen. Amen. And then lastly, he said that when we walk righteous, that he will see to it that our hearts will be full of joy. That's great news, right? So, so listen, I, I know all that's repeat, but, 
But my hope is really this, that of all the things that we've heard over the last two weeks, uh, that somehow, some way, uh, that has caused a, a great um, you know, feeling of, of gratitude, of gratefulness to rise in our hearts for all that God's given to us by His grace, right? Because if we stop and actually think about it, 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 you know, if we don't take things for granted, but we actually go, wow, look what God's really done in my life. Yes, like I was just thinking earlier, we were singing that song, All the Battles He's Won. I mean, it's like if you've walked with God for any length of time, uh, you should have something to be grateful for. Amen? So I want to reiterate one more thing, and, uh, and I know that, uh, you know, this kind of goes without saying, but it's a great reminder nonetheless. Uh, you know, when we begin to evaluate, take, a, take an account, whatever, and see all the ways that God's blessed us, it's a good reminder, remember, that God doesn't just bless us to bless us, right? It's real easy to get selfish in the blessings of God, Yes. Talk to me, y'all. Yes, yes, it is. And so, you know, to, to think today that, listen, God doesn't just bless us to bless us, right? He blesses us so we can be a blessing to others. So if we could take a moment, really, just a moment, look around the room, right? If we could actually begin to do this, begin to think about the communities we live in, if we could begin to think about our families and our friends, all these people that we know, all of those people are there. Why? So, so we can have an opportunity to be a blessing to them. Yes, it, you see, it's really this. It's God's nature to give, right? We're coming up on Christmas, and everybody's kind of switching gears, right? For the next month, nobody's going to be themselves, right? It, it's just awkward, right? Every, every time you hit Thanksgiving and uh, to Christmas, people just space out. I don't know where they go, but they go somewhere. But, but, but listen, it, it's this, that God's nature is to give. And everything he does comes from a generous spirit, right? So by the very nature, when you and I choose to be a blessing to others, guess what? We become an extension of the hands and the heart of God to those people. And that's a great thing, right? Yeah. Now, watch this. Hidden in there, hidden in there is, a, uh, is a hidden kingdom principle that simply says this, that when we choose to be generous to others, guess what? God, in turn, becomes generous to us. Because the Bible teaches us that what we uh, sow, we also reap, reap right? All right. Y'all got all that? All right. Let's shift gears. Here's where we're going to go today. Turkey's drying out my mouth. Yeah. Have y'all ever eaten a Cajun fried turkey? Man, change your life. All right. Just saying, put your faith out there. All right. So... All right, listen, so for the purpose of, you, you know, us, us seeing the whole picture and really gaining balance on this topic of righteousness, I, I want us to shift gears from the gift of righteousness and the blessing of righteousness, and I want to turn our focus, and I want us to look at the pursuit of righteousness, the pursuit of righteousness. If you can, smile at me today. It'll help me out, okay? Matthew chapter 5 is pretty much our key verse for today. If there's one verse you're going to grab a hold of, grab a hold of this one. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. That actually means in the Greek language, blessed are those who eagerly long and seek for righteousness. It says, for they shall be filled, or the Greek word is, for they shall be satisfied. Anybody want to be satisfied? So listen, in light of that verse, please listen to what I'm about to say. It's true that throughout the Bible, uh, God consistently promises to bless his people, and we're really thankful for that. Uh, but he also makes it extremely clear that his blessings on our life depend heavily upon the choices that we make. Listen, if you don't get anything that I say today, 
get this, that it is clear God wants to bless us, but it is also clear that his blessing on our lives depends heavily upon the choices we make. So guys, it's true that you and I have the ability to influence God's blessing in our lives, either for the positive or for the negative, by how we choose to live our lives. Amen. Listen, we know this because Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 says this. It says, today I have given you the choice. Somebody say the choice. The choice between life and death. And guess what? Between blessing and curses. It says, now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice. What? Not that he makes, but that you make. Right? So listen, please don't assume here that this verse, I know this kind of maybe goes without saying, but don't, don't assume here today that if you go, okay, well, I choose to be blessed, so I'm going to be blessed. <laughs> don't make that mistake, right? That, that, that it's literally this, that, that what he's saying here is, is literally, um, I'll say it this way. When it comes to the way that the kingdom of God works, God views our choices not by the words that come out of our mouth, but by our actions. Everybody look here, please. Not, he looks at us, what? Not, not by the words that come out of mouth. It's easy to say, God, I'll serve you. God, I love you. God, I'll honor you. God, I, I want to be blessed. But no, 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 no. It's, it's what, what's in our actions, right? And it's this thing that, that God, to God, what our choices are revealed by our lifestyle, not by our words. Somebody turn to your neighbor and just simply say these words. Turn to your neighbor and say this. Talk is cheap. Everybody, look, look at me, please. I, I, I could do this. My wife could tell me again and again, babe, I love you. I love you. You're amazing. I love you. I love you. But if that's all that that ever consisted of, look, I'm chubby. I like to eat. That says I love you. <laughs> A good fried chicken says I love you, right? Yes. Hallelujah. When my wife wakes me up, a big old thing of sweet tea, that says I love you. Anyway, sorry. So listen, talk is cheap, right? So, so, so it's really in our actions of what God's looking for. Look at this verse in 1 John chapter 3. It says, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. All right. Whoever does not practice righteousness, or we could say who, who does not live righteously, is not of God. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. Listen, as, as believers, guys, righteousness should be a, an evident part of our lives. Amen? All right, now watch this. When I think about those verses, you know, I can't help. My, my mind kind of goes to this. And this is what is kind of interesting to me. Uh, and you may disagree with this, and it's okay. Um, I, I believe the day and the age we live in that we are taught to pursue things like wealth. We're taught to pursue things like power and popularity. We're taught to pursue things like materialistic things. In other words, do you have the right house, the right car, the right clothes, the right hairstyle, whatever? Do you have the newest and latest toy, whatever? And, uh, you know, maybe you go, ah, that's not really me. I live in Maine. <laughs> we're such a low-key people, right, for the most part. But, but it's this. But we're still taught to do what? To, to seek our own personal comforts at all costs. Right? We're all still taught to fulfill our fleshly desires, that it doesn't matter if you live in New York City or if you live in Rockport. At the end of the day, listen, people say this, do whatever, do whatever makes you happy. 
Do it in the dark, do it in the light, who cares, right? And in short, I believe at least that we are taught to pursue a selfish version of the American dream as if those things that we just mentioned, that little list, is what really will satisfy us or give us meaning to life, right? And it's really this, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, when those things are out of balance, that's a key word here, when they're out of balance, it becomes self-worship, Right, And if we realize or not, some of that same thinking has crept its way into the church and to the hearts of believers. And it's caused many people to believe that in spite of, listen, in spite of how they live their lives, the blessings of God will continue to flow. And it's also caused a lot of people to think this, that, uh, you know, whatever, um, you, you know, I'll say this, that, that, that the blessings become the priority, not seeking the face of God. L- l- listen, as... As believers, the goal of walking with God should not be the blessings. It should be, man, do I know him? Do I know his presence? Do I hear his voice? Right? And what happens is, is we have a consumer mentality that says, you know what? If the song getting right, if the atmosphere is not right, all those things I'm not engaging. The only problem is, is Jesus isn't interested in those things. Right? He just wants us to, to know him. Amen. All right, so watch this. Listen to what Paul told Timothy to do in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Once again, we're talking about, uh, we're told to pursue these things, and the truth is, is our own fleshly desires want those things, right? But he said this in in chapter 6 of 1 Timothy. He says, but you, Timothy, are a man of God. Turn to your neighbor and say this. Say, remember, say, remember, you are of a different kingdom, Listen, you're a man of God. You're a woman of God. Something is different about you. The spirit of God dwells within you. Amen? And he said this. He said, so run from all these evil things. Uh, He says in chapter 2, he says, run from these youthful desires. Or we'll throw in the words, run from these uh, things of self-worship. And he says to do what? To pursue righteousness. If you want to run from that, how you run from that is you pursue righteousness. You don't have to sit over there and holler at it and say it's all evil and all this. Just run towards God. Amen? then it says, pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Now, uh, to basically be maybe, uh, you know, more importantly, I'll say it that way. Jesus told all of us this. First one, Paul said that to Timothy, which still relates to us. But Jesus said this to all of us. He said, but first and more importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his what? His righteousness. What's his righteousness? It is his way of doing and being right. It's the attitude and the character of God. And he says, and all these things will be given to you also. Do you see the, do you see the cyclical thing here? Just seek him and he'll take care of the rest. Yeah. Amen? Make it priority, right? So in short, basically God is saying this, that if you want to live not only a blessed life, but a fulfilled life, then we should pursue righteousness above all those temporal things that the Bible clearly says that rust and moth basically destroy anyways, right? So we'll throw up this next slide. If you want to write this down, it'll be good. The pursuit of righteousness is about a person choosing to live a consistent righteous lifestyle before the Lord. This is so basic and so easy, but we don't always do it, Right? The pursuit of righteousness is about a person choosing to live a consistent, righteous lifestyle before the Lord. I think before you and I can pursue righteousness or we can live righteous, uh, we first need to understand what exactly we should be pursuing. Because, listen, if you're anything like me, when I first came into the kingdom of God, I went, okay, I know I need to get better. But I didn't really know what that meant. 
right? And, and so in other words, I didn't really know how to live, and I just had to learn to go off what I felt in my gut. Yep, it's time to change this. Yep, it's time to do that. And that's kind of the way he cleans us up. But, but sometimes it's good to know what we're aiming at. Yeah? So, so to kind of show you this, Jewish scholars actually refer to the portion of Scripture we're about to read. We're, we're going to only read a portion of it, but all of it, which is Sermon on the Mount. They say that it is Jesus' interpretation of the standard of righteousness. Okay, so this is the way Jesus interprets righteousness, okay? And what I'm about to read, I'm going to use the Amplified Bible. Everybody look at me, please. What I'm about to read is a mouthful, okay? And so what we're going to do is, is we're going to read it, and then we're going to come back through, and we're going to break it down, okay? In hopefully a really practical way, jot down, take notes. But, but, but maybe this, it's so much, kind of my prayer this morning has been this. If you can just grab one thing and apply one thing and put it in your life and walk out of here, then we did okay. All right, so so don't be overwhelmed by what we read. All right, here we go. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them on righteousness, saying this. Watch this. It's going to give the word, and it's going to give you, it's going to say the word blessed, and then it's going to give you, because it's the Amplified Bible, the meaning of what that word means in that verse. And you're going to see it's different in all these verses. He said this, blessed, which means spiritually prosperous, happy, to be admired are the poor in spirit, those devoid of spiritual arrogance, those who regard themselves as insignificant, those who regard themselves as insignificant, it's not worthless, but insignificant, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, both now and forever. Verse four, blessed means forgiven, refreshed by God's grace, are those who mourn over their sins and repent, for they will be comforted when the burden of sin is lifted. Verse 5, blessed, which means inwardly peaceful, spiritually secure, worthy of respect, are the gentle, the kind-hearted, the sweet-spirited, the self-controlled, for they will inherit the earth. Verse 6, blessed, which means joyful, nourished by God's goodness, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who actively seek a right standing with God, for they will be completely satisfied. Verse 7, blessed, which means content, sheltered by God's promises, are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Verse 8, blessed, anticipating God's presence, spiritually mature, are the pure in heart, those with integrity, moral courage, and godly character, for they will see God. Verse 9, blessed, spiritually calm, with life joy in God's favor. And the makers and maintainers of peace are the makers and maintainers of peace. Excuse me. For they will express his character and be called the sons of God. Verse 10, blessed, comforted by inner peace in God's love, are those who are persecuted for doing what? Doing that which is morally right. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven both now and forever. Let's pick it up. Blessed, morally courageous, and spiritually alive with life, joy, and God's goodness are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of your association with me. You ever been called religious and legalistic? Verse 12, be glad and exceedingly joyful for your reward in heaven is great, absolutely inexhaustible, inexhaustible. I think I said that right. For in the same way, they persecute the prophets who were before you. All right. That's a lot, right? All right. So listen, every single detail that's in that portion of scripture is how Jesus defined and how he expressed 
righteous living. And it is, watch this, it is one of the biblical standards by which you and I, uh, how our lives are measured. Are y'all tracking with me today? Listen, in other words, we can look at the scripture and ask ourselves, man, am I really pursuing righteousness? Am I really living righteously? So, so watch this. As we go back through this, what I want you to do is I want you to notice uh, how Jesus said he would bless us if we chose to live in those particular areas. If you're this, I will do this. If you're this, I will do this. And, and once again, I want us to see how you and I actually influence the blessing of God on our lives, either for positive or negative, by how we choose to live. And by negative, I mean we cancel it out. All right? Uh, to say it another way, I'll say it like this, and we'll, and we'll get going. Um, basically, the release of heaven's blessings in our life, they're hinging on our obedience in these particular areas. All right? All right, so here we go. Let's go through this, and hopefully we can grab something. The first expression of righteous living Jesus mentioned in this portion of Scripture was this. It was humility, number one. Write that down. Humility, right? In other words, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. So Jesus said this. He said, those who cast off their self-dependence, right, and come to him with humble hearts would prosper, what, spiritually, and they would be happy, and they would live a life that is admired by others because the touch of heaven is on their life. That's pretty good, yeah? Yeah, four of us. That's pretty good, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Do you, want to be, do you want to prosper spiritually? Do you want to be happy? Do you want to live a life that people go, wow, I see the hand of God all over their lives? Then be humble, right? Listen, I don't know about you, but I have always admired people who are humble, and I have always struggled with people who aren't, right? And, and it's simply this. The reason I struggle with them is because the Bible makes it very clear that arrogance in a prideful heart will always damage an individual's interaction relationship, not only with people, but also with God. So, so, so listen, I, I'm just going to say this, throw it out there. I don't, you know, half y'all don't even know, okay? I don't know well. Okay, I may know your name, but I don't know you well. But if people struggle with you, look at this verse. Right? Look at it. All right, number two. The second expression of righteous living Jesus mentioned was this. It was repentance. He said, blessed are those who mourn. So often we look at this verse and we go like this. Well, well, so-and-so had death in their family. We're going to mourn with them. I'm not saying that the scripture doesn't apply to, apply to that. But when you begin to look at it in the original language, it is actually talking about repentance. And so Jesus said this. He said, those that come to him with a heart of repentance. And I'll add this word, those who are quick to repent. Right? Concern their sins. That he would do what? That he would bless them by not only forgiving them, but he would also comfort and refresh them. See, this goes exactly with what... Uh Paul talked about in Acts chapter 3. Sorry, not Paul. Luke talked about in Acts chapter 3 in verse 19 when he said this. He said, repent so that times of refreshing may come. I'll just maybe say it like this. How many of you guys in this room, by a show of hands really quick, y'all look at me. How many of you guys know that uh, have ever carried, I'll say, the weight and the burden of an unconfessed sin? Yeah? Okay. That's what we're talking about here. So basically, because we are unwilling to confess our sins, guess what? We are canceling out the blessing of refreshing and the burden being lifted off our lives, the peace of God off our lives. And what happens? Y'all look, please, please, please. What, what happens this is because we don't, the reason we don't repent is because we're lacking the first one. We have too much pride to repent. And we want to say, God, I'm right. 
right? And, and so how many times, listen, have, have we gotten sideways with a person, whatever, I'm just picking up my friend here, and we get, we get sideways with a person, but, but my pride won't let me, even though the Holy Ghost has born a hole in me, I won't just go and go, God forgive me because of my, my part I played in that. And not worry about his part, but say my part that I played and humble myself and go, let me get it right. Amen? Amen. Listen, let me show you a great example of the first point that Jesus made and the second point Jesus made. I believe he brought them together when he taught us this in Luke 18. It says this in verse 9. It's the last like, chunk of scripture I'm going to read, so just hang with me. It says, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. I'm righteous, right? And treated others with contempt. That two men went up into the temple to pray, one Pharisee and another a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes, and all that I get. How many of you guys know that's pride? He said, but the tax collector, watch this, standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his chest or his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's repentance. He said, I tell you, this man went down to that house, to his house, justified. In other words, the guy that repented, he made him righteous, right? He says, rather than the other, he says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Amen. Amen. The third expression that Jesus taught us of righteousness is this. It is kindness. He said, blessed are the meek. Watch this. He said, those who are gentle, those who are kind-hearted toward others will be blessed with what? With an inward peace that makes them not only feel spiritually secure, but will literally cause them to be worthy of respect from those around them. That's good, yeah? Let me maybe ask you this. Have you ever been around a, a really, really, really kind-hearted person and, and notice how easy and peaceful it is uh, just to be in their presence? Anybody? Yeah. Why? It's because we're witnessing God's blessing. We're literally experiencing, partaking of God's blessing on their lives. It's because we are literally, let me maybe say it this way, we're being touched by the very peace that they carry on their lives. Right? It's the blessings of God that's on them. And that's why what happens is, is we, we get around them and it's like, man, I, I feel the peace of God. I, I like being the strength of God. There's, there's an ease around him. Why? Because he's kind hearted. He's gentle. But when I leave that and I get around somebody that's rough, I feel very unsettled. Yeah. Right? Because one has the blessing and the other one's canceled it out. Yeah. The fourth one. The fourth expression of righteous living is this. It's mercy. Somebody say mercy. Jesus said, blessed are those who are merciful. So literally that he said, when we extend mercy, and another key word here is compassion, we would be blessed with what? Please listen, contentment. And he said that what? That, that he would see to it that we would receive mercy and compassion in return. Anybody here ever need some mercy? Lord knows I do, and I certainly need some com compassion, Right? So listen, have you ever noticed that, um, I said this way, have you ever noticed that bitter people um, never feel settled and they always uh, lack contentment? They're just, Ugh, right? It's like they're, they're always agitated and because they're inwardly agitated, what always comes out of their mouth is negative. Yeah? 
So watch this. It's because why? Because they are canceling out God's blessing in that area of their lives. Because why? Because they, they, don't, have, uh, they, they don't have a posture of mercy towards people. Therefore, they're never content in their own life. Right? Those are the guys that want to throw the hammer, throw the book, drop the hammer. Those are the ones that always feel like they're the victim. It's everybody else's fault. And, and they're just, they're right. Am I making sense? See, what happens is this, guys. When, when you stop and you look at your life and you go, man, I have encountered the mercy of God on my life. I know who I used to be. And I don't like that old guy. <laughs> right? So from the mercy that I've been given, why wouldn't I want to give it to other people? Right? It's like this, the grace that I've been given. Why would I want to violate grace by not giving it back to somebody else? Number five, the fifth expression of righteous living. There's just seven. Hang in there with me. The, the, the fifth expression of righteous living is this. It's integrity. Jesus said, blessed are those who are pure in heart. So watch this. Jesus said those who choose to walk with integrity and a purity of heart would what? That he would bless them with his presence. That his presence would come upon their lives and that they would possess what? A spiritual maturity. Man, that's so good. If you want to grow, if you want to grow in the kingdom, man, get, get a hold of some integrity. It means you're undivided, right? You have a decided heart and you're the same guy everywhere you go. The same way I talk in church is the same way I talk on the job site. Yeah? Amen, preacher. All right, here we go. Um, li- listen, as I thought about this one, I-, I couldn't help but to think, literally, my mind went to this, that-, that every single person that, you know, I've been walking with God a little over 20 years now, and over 20 years, every person I've ever reached out to, I literally went down a list of the kind of the main players, right, that, that I've ever reached out to for uh, wisdom and for counsel. Every-, every man, every woman on that list are people of integrity, and the reason I'm drawn to them like a magnet is because the presence of God is on them. And not only because the presence of God is on their life, it's because they carry a spiritual maturity about them. They're not shallow. They're not weak. There's depth that's there, right? So listen, if you want to be one of those kind of people, get integrity, amen? Amen. The sixth expression of righteousness is this, is peace. It's peace. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. See, Jesus said those who choose to be what? Demonstrators and carriers, makers and maintainers of his peace, they would not only be blessed to be called a child of God, but they would also enjoy a calm, joyful life that is marked by his favor. Listen, I believe every person in this room has met a, a fellow brother or sister in the Lord uh, that wouldn't know peace if it hit them in the face, right? And, uh, you know, those people's lives are not marked with joy, right? It's not. It's marked with favor. And truth is, is most of those people struggle through life. Is that okay to say it that way? And, uh, and, and part of the reason they struggle, and it's not just, it's just not with the, with the you know, like they're like, man, I can't get ahead in essence, but, but it's almost like drama follows them everywhere they go. Right? Now, now listen, uh, is there anybody in this room that wants that? Do you want drama? Look, look at me. I am not a 13-year-old teenage girl. <laughs> Praise the Lord Jesus on that one. Okay? I don't, look, if there's anybody in this room that doesn't like drama, sign me up. That's me. Top of the list. I can't stand it. Right? And, uh, because sometimes I just go... 
I, I wouldn't plan on saying this, but I go back to Hebrews chapter 6 when he simply says this. He says, by now you ought to be. Right? In other words, man, you're still, as believers, you're still hanging around elementary teachings, elementary things. But, man, you've been walking with God so long, you shouldn't have all this drama in your life. Right? And so I just say this, man. Wouldn't it be better to become a carrier of God's peace? To make, listen to this, to make a decision. Everybody, everybody look, please, get this. That even if you're being wronged, that your goal should still be, I'm going to bring peace to this situation. That's why the Bible says a gentle answer turns away wrath. Right? Number seven. The seventh expression of righteous living is this. And, and maybe not the right word, but we're going to go with it. It's endurance. The reason I use that is because he basically said, blessed are those who are persecuted. But, but he said this in the verse. He said, those who endure persecution for the sake of righteousness, that he would bless them. How? He would bless them by uh, comforting them with his peace and love. And that they would experience his what? His goodness in their life. And, and I actually like what it says, and you can see it up there, uh, that it says that people who, who really endure persecution, man, that they will have an inexhaustible reward in heaven. I don't know if you can get a better blessing than that. Right? So, so let me, let me um, read something to you today, and we'll land this thing. Just as I was studying, this came in my mind because what I don't want us to do is I don't want us to think this, that, that uh, you know, people, uh, whatever, they were mean to me. I'm getting persecuted for the gospel, right? Um, you know, I try to witness to them and they walked away. Persecution. <laughs> you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't. I, so let me kind of give you an idea here, okay, of what this is referring to. Uh, has, has anybody ever heard of a man called F.F. F. Bosworth? Raise your hand at me, F.F. Bosworth. Okay, a few of us, that's good. L listen, if you ever want to read a great book, Christ the Healer, okay? Christ the Healer, literally hundreds of thousands of people have been healed of whatever, you name the disease, when they read that book. Pretty good book to read, yeah? Yeah? yeah. All right, I believe in healing. If you don't, sorry. All right, here we go. <laughs> Stinks for you. All right, here we go. <laughs> um, maybe I shouldn't eat all that turkey. All right, here we go. <laughs> Check this out. So this is Bosworth, and this is a while back, but it says Bosworth knew persecution as well as deprivation. It says in August 1911, so we're going pretty far back, uh, basically an annual camp meeting was held by uh, black people in Hearn, Texas. All right, y'all hang with me here. It says they built a brush harbor off the back of the tent for white people who visited the camp meeting. So we understand we're talking 1911. It wasn't like today. Obviously, their segregation was huge, okay? So, so get that when you read this, okay? It says uh, basically the white people who attended were impressed by the power of the Holy Spirit and the moving testimony of the black people. In other words, in other words black people were having church Holy Ghost started breaking out. White people said, let me go see what that's about. And, 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 and they said this, though. They said, you know what? But I don't want to seek what they got at a black altar. Okay? So, so here's what they did. They said, because they did not want to seek the Holy Spirit at a black altar, they asked the leaders of the camp meeting to call for a white preacher to come. In other words, I appreciate you, but give me a white guy, right? Different day. It says, to come and teach them about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It says, Bosworth was the man selected to go. So Bosworth arrived at the camp meeting at Hearn, Texas, Saturday night, August the 6th, 1911. It says, to see where his meetings were to be held. No, he just showed up, where are we going for church? He didn't have, he didn't have Google Maps, all right? 
It says, he had no intention of preaching that night, but when the people recognized him, he was pers- uh, persuaded to preach. He spoke for a few minutes to both groups on the platform. In other words, in the middle of the platform, there was a white side and there was a black side, and he stood in the middle and he preached to both sides, uh, you know, between them, whatever, in the brush arbor. It says, after the service was over, Bosworth was invited to stay the night with another white preacher. On the way to the men's room, they were stopped by a group of extreme racists who were going to kill Bosworth for putting them on the level with black people. Bosworth told them that he was there in obedience to God and that the white people had asked him to come. He also said that if God wanted to die, he would gladly do so. It says, the men finally allowed Bosworth and the other man to go on the condition that they would leave town immediately. It says, Bosworth went directly to the train depot, and it says, and the other man went to his room to get his things. Watch this. Bosworth was met at the train station by another mob of about 25 men. It says, they took him from the depot, knocked him down, and beat him with heavy wooden clubs and a broken boat, or, and broken boat oars. They told Bosworth he would never preach again when they were through with him. Bosworth offered no resistance. He committed himself to God and prayed for God to keep them from breaking his spine. It says, when the men were finished, Bosworth's flesh was like jelly, mashed to the bone, covering his back all the way down to his knees. Amazingly, he only received a fracture in his left wrist. Bosworth was not allowed to take the train. Get that. You can't even get on the train, boy. It says, basically, he had to walk almost 10 miles to Calvert, where he called a train home the next day. Now, watch this. I want you to see this. Bosworth's personal account of this story comes from a letter he wrote to his mother telling her about the mobbing. However, it tells much more about the character of F.F. Bosworth, who had a Christ-like spirit. In his letter, this is what he wrote. Once again, we're talking about he who endures persecution. says, the suffering during this period was terrible, but as soon as it was over, I looked away from the wounds and bruises to God. And he took away all suffering and put his power and strength upon me so that I could carry a heavy suitcase with my right arm over nine miles. I would say that's blessings in, in action. It says, I never had the slightest anger or ill feeling toward those men who beat me so cruelly. And I walked in the walk to Calvary in the dark uh, with moonlight was the most heavenly experience of my life. Why? Because he understood mercy. It says, the Lord gave me wonderful intercession for those men that he should forgive them and prepare them for his coming. I have thanked him many times for being privileged to know something of the fellowship of his suffering since it came for plain obedience and preaching the gospel to every creature. It has given me great joy to experience this, which was so common among the early Christians in the first century church. All right. Pretty good, yeah? All right, so let's land this. Wrap this up. Jesus basically defined this, righteous living, as this. He said, basically, it was by a believer choosing to walk in humility, having a heart of repentance, being kind-hearted, merciful, full of integrity, peaceful, and a willingness to endure hardship. So I'm going to ask us today, how well are we doing with righteousness? Are we pursuing righteousness? Now, if you were, if you were noticing a while ago, I didn't actually read verse 6 out of all those verses. Um, and the reason is, is because I intentionally wanted to encourage you with it. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 6. He said, blessed... What's the blessing that comes? Joyful, we'll say nourishment by God's goodness, are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who actively seek right standing with God in their lifestyle, right? For they will be completely satisfied. What are we completely satisfied with? All those blessings that we just talked about. 
Amen? Amen. Amen. Last statement, and we're shutting the door. Maybe. <laughs> I'm gonna, I got time, so I'm going to add something. But listen, God made us righteous, okay? But listen to me, guys. He still expects us to live righteously. So don't take it for granted, right? Because of the way, get this, because of that, the way we live our lives, I know I'm just repeating it again, from obedience, it will determine, once again, the level of blessing that flows in our lives. And so I'm just going to say this, that, that God doesn't, um, God does not and God will not ever bless a life of disobedience. And, and if I can maybe say it this way, and, and man, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stay away from a works mentality today, not the goal, okay? But, but it's the understanding that if we would look at our lives at all those things, we could do this, potentially. I see the blessings there. I see the blessings there. I don't see them there. And I don't see them there, but I see them there, and I see them there. Let's not just be satisfied that we got four of the six. Let's live in the full blessings of God. Amen? Amen? So, and, and here's why it's so important. Watch this. Uh, two things. Because when we walk in the full, full blessings of God, guess, guess what we get the great opportunity to do? We bring glory to Him. We, wow. Right? We have the opportunity to bring glory to God. That people look at our lives and go, man, uh, once again, I, I want what they got. Right? And, and the second thing is this. I wish I had time to go into this. But if you read the Bible, I'm saying this. If you have kids, it doesn't matter how old they are. Okay? The Bible clearly says that if you walk in righteousness, that you'll leave a legacy, an inheritance of righteousness to your children. Do it for them for no other reason. Do it for your kids. Right? L- look at us. Look at us. We could take an evaluation of our hearts and our lives where our parents didn't walk in the blessings of these areas. And guess what? Who was damaged in the process? Right? And we spent 10, 20, 30, 40 years trying to get over it and get healed from it. Let's not make our kids go through that. Right? Let's not just save up money so they have a good therapist one day. Right? Let's give them something of value and something of worth. Amen? Let's stand to your feet, please. Thanks for listening to me today. Hopefully that didn't overwhelm you. Amen. Amen. Let's just pray and we'll be and we'll be done and you can go home and eat leftovers. Anybody still got leftovers? Oh, yeah. All right. If you don't have leftovers, you know whose house to bite yourself to. All right. <laughs> Amen. Being stupid. Here we go. Father, thank you for today. Lord, we thank you that um, God, you make it really clear in your word what's expected of us. God, that you have given us righteousness, but Lord, you expect us to live righteous. And so, Holy Spirit, I'm just asking, as we just take a moment, that you would just kind of show us in the room, (laughs) encourage us where we're doing great, but also show us where we could pick it up a little and where we could be doing better. And uh, so we just ask that, that clearly that the light would come on and God, that you would give us a desire to respond. Like we prayed at the very beginning, Lord, we don't want to be hearers only of the word. God, we want to be doers as well. Because Lord, we believe that when we begin to do your word, God, that's where real life happens. And so Lord, today, I just uh, pray a prayer, God, over every person here today. God, that they would uh, seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. 
And Father, I pray today, God, that they wouldn't just seek it half-heartedly, but they would eagerly seek it uh, with, with great anticipation, great hunger and desire to walk in your ways. And Father, I thank you that you promised us in your word that you would satisfy us with good things because you're a good God. And so, Lord, once again, just as we started today and we said we're grateful, we just end today and say, God, we're grateful. God, we're so thankful for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.